Hey, I want to welcome you to our online traditional worship experience. We are so honored and grateful that you have joined us, and we just look forward uh, to worshiping with you online. And I want you to know that we are praying for you and that we are here for you. And so please stay connected to us. If you have some needs in your life, if you have some prayer requests, please reach out. We'd love to be in contact with you. Stay connected. That's really what the church is about. So again, welcome, and we're so, so glad that you've joined us. You know, I've got a couple announcements to draw your attention to. Uh, a couple of things that I think would really um, be great for you to look into this week. On Tuesday night, Pastor Jason is going to start a class uh, called Bible 101. You know, some of us maybe have been familiar with the Bible our whole life, but still have questions. And others, you know, maybe you've hardly ever cracked one open. And so this class is actually for anyone, any experience. Uh, so it's going to be Tuesday nights. It's going to be an online class where you can interact. You can ask questions. It's going to be a great time of community. So more information about that class will be coming out shortly. So make sure you be watching your email for that. Also, this coming Wednesday, we have our online Lenten service at 6.30. We'll be streaming live from our sanctuary. It's going to be a great uh, time to come together with some acoustic worship. There's going to be an interview, and then there's going to be a short message. So again, Wednesday night, 6.30, just go to calvary.org and click the watch button. And we'd love to have you join us for that Lenten experience. Finally, we are so grateful and thankful for your continuous and genuine, uh, generous support of the mission here at Calvary. Please, if you are able, keep up your regular giving as we need to continue to support the mission partners that we support in our community and around the world. And also we need to continue to keep our operations running. So again, thank you for your generous giving. If you'd like to give today, you can go to calvary.org give, or you can also text, or you can mail in your contribution to the church office. Thank you so much. I'd like to invite you to take a look at this video. So we're in the second week of our series called GOAT. And if you weren't with us last week, GOAT stands for the greatest of all time. And there's often these kind of debates that go on in our culture in all sorts of different areas, whether it's sports, whether it's movies or music or pop culture, where people debate who or what is the greatest of all time. Now, probably the most common GOAT debate that happens these days is in the NBA. It's, is the greatest player of all time Michael Jordan or LeBron James? And maybe you have a strong opinion about that, or maybe you don't care at all. 
But what we're talking about in this series is how our culture often talks about the greatest being someone who has incredible net worth, someone who has incredible status or fame or power. But Jesus illustrates to us what being great is really all about. Jesus shows us that it's not about status, it's not about money, that being great is really about loving others, and that being great is really about serving others. And so what we talked about last week as we kicked the series off is that Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. Jesus taught us clearly what life is about. He knows what life is about better than anyone in all of history. And his teaching leads to change lives. But the thing about Jesus' teaching is that it needs to be applied. And so he tells this story, he says, if you listen to his teaching and you listen to his words and you actually put it into practice, it's like a wise man who builds his house on solid rock. But then he says, if you listen to what he has to say, you listen to his teachings and his words, and you don't put them into practice, well, then you're like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. You see, it's one thing to listen or to hear or even to memorize Jesus's words and teachings. But what really matters is what we do. But what I want to talk with you today about is that Jesus is also the greatest friend. Now, I don't mean that in some sort of cheesy junior high sort of way. You know, sometimes I think people have taken this way too far. There's like t-shirts that say, Jesus is my boyfriend or Jesus is my homeboy. Maybe the pinnacle of cheesiness came in the late 70s when there was a song called Jesus is my friend. And I want you to take a look at it here. Well, maybe you won't be able to get that song out of your head the rest of the day. And also, you know, if you get on social media and send some emails, maybe we could get Aaron to dress up like that guy and cover that song next week for our traditional service. But you see, instead of a caricature, Jesus actually modeled what it means to be a great friend. He provided a perfect example of what a great friendship should look like. And the thing is, he wasn't just a great friend to those around him 2,000 years ago. His friendship is still exactly what you and I need today, no matter what we might be facing in our life. Now, I don't have to tell you, but it's been, you know, an interesting couple weeks or even a couple days, right? And doesn't it seem like it's been months at this point? It seems like every day the information changes. Most of us are just holed up in our houses at this point. And while social distancing is exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now, 
We also have to acknowledge that we were created for community, that we were created to be in relationship with other people. And so it's at times like these where we experience emotions like fear and anxiety, lots of questions. But on top of that, today we might be feeling isolated. We might be feeling disconnected. We might be feeling even abandoned. You know, perhaps like we just dream about hanging out with our friends again, but yet we feel disconnected from them today. Or maybe you were even feeling disconnected before this whole thing went down, and this is just making it worse. The great thing about Jesus, though, is that he completely understands everything that we experience. He completely understands everything that we're going through. There's nothing that you have experienced or felt that he doesn't understand. Jesus went through pain. He went through betrayal. He went through abandonment. He went through loneliness. He went through fear and anxiety. And so every day, as we read the Gospels, he interacts with his disciples and his followers, and he shows us over and over again how real he is, how much a part of this world he was, and also what a great friend he was and he is. Now, I imagine every one of us has had an experience with at least one bad friend before, and perhaps that's left you with some wounds or some scars in your life, even today. You know, maybe you had a friend who ended up stabbing you in the back. Maybe they abandoned you at the worst time. Maybe they just made you feel left out. I remember the feeling I had when I was in high school and I found out I wasn't invited to this big gathering of people I thought were my friends. I remember those emotions where I started to question, you know, who really are my friends? And it's easy to feel worthless in those moments. But I think we also need to acknowledge that there's probably been many times when we haven't been the best of friends to others. We look back and we say, you know, I wish I hadn't done that or said that or wish it hadn't gone down in this particular way. When I look back, I I think of many opportunities where I could have been a much better friend in different situations. And so I believe every one of us, no matter who we are, has room to grow when when it's about becoming a great friend. And so today, what I want to do with you is to look at what does Jesus model for us? How does he teach us to be a great friend to others? So the first thing I think Jesus shows us about being a great friend is that great friendship takes great communication. Let's look at John 15, 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, You are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. And again, we're back at last week's point that Jesus' words and teachings have power. And what he's saying here is the fact that he communicates with us should tell us how much he loves us, how much of a friend he is to us. If he didn't care about us, he wouldn't have anything to communicate. And so in John chapter 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice. There's a communication connection between us and Jesus. Now imagine for a moment if your best friend and you decided not to speak, not to communicate, not to text 
at all for a year. And then think about a year later where you would be at in your friendship. Now, you might well still be friends, but you probably would not be as close as you started. And that's because great friendship takes great communication. And so the question for every one of us to ask today is, are you spending time listening to and talking to Jesus? Are you spending time communicating with your friend? And if not, how is your friendship with him today? Perhaps if you feel disconnected or you feel distant, what you need to do is to start communicating with him again. Well, Jesus also shows us that great friendship brings out the best in others. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Jesus consistently brought out the best in those around him. I mean, there were plenty of times when he had every reason to fire his disciples, to just kick them out. They were so disappointing again and again. For instance, Peter. Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. Peter was always doing the wrong thing or misunderstanding things. He even eventually denied knowing Jesus three times on the night of Jesus's greatest need. But instead of dismissing Peter, instead of firing him outright, Jesus chose to preserve their friendship. And what he did is he actually gave Peter more responsibility. He showed his confidence in him and he helped him become better. And then when we read into the history of the early church, we find out that Peter becomes one of the most important leaders in the entire early church. As we look at our friendships, we need to take a cue from Jesus and ask ourselves, are we helping each other get better? And as we think about Jesus' words and teachings and putting them into practice, are we getting better? Jesus shows us great friendship brings out the best in others. Jesus also shows us that great friendship expresses emotion. You know, one of Jesus' very closest friends was a man named Lazarus. And you probably remember the story about Lazarus, that he got very sick and his two sisters were very concerned about him. So they sent word to Jesus. But Jesus didn't arrive for four days. And so when he got there, Martha, one of the sisters, ran out and told Jesus that Lazarus had already died. And then after that comes the shortest verse in the entire Bible, and many of you memorize this verse in confirmation, I'm sure. It's simply two words. Jesus wept. Now, I love this verse because Jesus shows that he's willing to completely show his emotions. You know, sometimes I think we, we think of him kind of like a superhero, kind of detached, maybe not completely of this world. But in this moment, Jesus was fully present. He was fully human. Even Jesus needed friends. And he loved Lazarus. And so he was willing to express his true emotions because great friendship expresses 
emotions. Well, then finally, Jesus also shows us that great friendship means making sacrifices. Let's look at John 15, starting with verse 12. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus tells us and then models for us the greatest love, the greatest sign of friendship, which is sacrifice. And what Jesus is really doing here is he is raising the bar like he so often did. You know, I think we as human beings have this tendency to try to always find the lowest common denominator, to try to figure out the least amount that we need to do to fulfill a requirement or a rule or a commandment. But what Jesus always did was continually raise the bar and then raise the bar again. You see, back in Leviticus 19, in the very first part of the Bible, the Jewish people, God's people, were told specifically, love your neighbor as yourself. And they chose to interpret that. They didn't choose to interpret who their neighbor was as simply other Jewish people. So the people around them, the people that they associated with every day, that was their neighbor. That was the expectation. It didn't go for any other country, ethnicity, other people that weren't like them. So then a couple centuries or many centuries later, Jesus comes along and he raises the bar. He tells a story in Luke chapter 10, the story of the Good Samaritan, most of us are familiar with. And in this story, what he teaches us is that we are to love our neighbor, but our neighbor is anyone who's in front of us. To illustrate this, he talks about this Jewish man who's almost beaten to death. And the person who finally stops to help out, the person who is the model neighbor, is a Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans were mortal enemies. They hated each other. Yet Jesus says that this Samaritan man is the model for the kind of neighbor we're called to be. That we are called to love anyone who's in front of us no matter who they are. There's not some litmus test where we can decide who's a neighbor and who's not. It's not about who looks like us or who believes like us even. Instead, we are called to love our neighbor and that's anyone God puts in front of us. But then a little bit later, Jesus raises the bar again. And in John 15, which we just read, Jesus raises the bar about as high as it can go. And he actually describes what loving our neighbor looks like. It's not about just saying some nice words or writing a card or doing a random act of kindness. Now, those are all great things. But Jesus finally says the ultimate and greatest kind of love is laying down your life for someone else. Now, most of us, fortunately, are never going to be asked to literally give up our physical life for another person. But there are many, many other ways that we are called to sacrifice, to put others first, to lay down our life. Now, this might just mean doing something that's really hard for most of us. And that means going last, letting someone else go first. It might mean considering the hopes and the dreams and the wants and the desires of someone else before considering our own. It might mean speaking up for someone who can't speak up for themselves. 
It might mean giving up your need to be right or your need to make a point. You see, Jesus is calling us to give unconditional, selfless love to other people. And I think right now, with what we're going through, is such a perfect time to be thinking about what this could look like in action. You know, sacrificing for others might look like staying home when we really don't want to because we're looking out for the health of others. Sacrificing for others might mean giving generously during this season when so many are in need. Sacrificing for others might mean checking in on the people around you. How are your neighbors doing? Great friendship means making sacrifices. Now, Jesus took this to the very extreme because he sacrificed his body and his life for you and for me. He willingly went to his death on the cross so that we could have life. He put us, his friends, first. He suffered and he died so that death would be defeated forever. And he showed us a clear picture of what a great friend looks like. Giving up oneself for the other. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Church, Jesus is truly the greatest friend. And we should try to follow his example to be great friends to each other. We can all practice great communication. We can bring out the best in others. We can openly express emotions. And we can make sacrifices. But you know, the most important friendship that we can ever have, which has an eternal impact, and it's dependent on whether or not we're connected to Jesus, whether or not we have a real living friendship with him. Have you ever had a friend who's been able to give you access to a special, exclusive place. I was at a music festival a number of years ago down in Austin, Texas. Now, it was a hot, dusty day. And as a Minnesota born and bred person, I was marveling at how there were literally no trees in this entire park. Hundreds of thousands of people, but no shade. Now, I love live music, so I showed up about noon and I saw a couple acts. And suddenly I just started to bake in the sun. And I so desperately wanted some shade where I could cool off. Well, in the afternoon, as the sun was beating down, I got a text message from a friend who I had met through my brother. And he said, hey, do you want to come hang out with me in one of the sponsorship tents? And I didn't have to think twice because I knew there would be fans and water and there would be shade. And so I started to walk towards the tent that he was talking about, and I saw the biggest bodyguard you can imagine standing there blocking the entrance. And as I walked up, he just stared at me. And I thought, what am I going to do? And as I got closer and closer, he started to make himself bigger and bigger to block the entrance. And then suddenly my friend showed up, and he looked at the bodyguard, and he said, he's with me. And the bodyguard looked at me a little bit longer, 
And then he said, all right, come on in. You see, the question I have for every single one of us today is have you trusted your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered control? Have you asked him to be your savior and your friend? Because you see, that one thing makes all the difference. Because when we die, then Jesus will say, he or she is with me. And God will say, come on in. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, do you believe that? Have you trusted in him? All you have to do is ask. See, the greatest friend in the world, the one who literally laid down his life for his friends, wants nothing more than to be your friend. Don't go one more day, don't go one more minute without a saving friendship with him. As we close out our time together, I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. Today could be the day that you ask Jesus into your life to be your savior and your friend for the first time. Or maybe you feel at this point in your life like he's a distant friend, like you've grown far apart. Well, today could be the opportunity that you tell him that you want to recommit your life to him and his friendship. So I'm going to invite you to bow your head wherever you are and to pray this prayer with me. So let's pray. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior and a friend. I believe that you died and rose again and defeated death. I pray that you come into my life and forgive me and make me new. Help me to live every day for you and to put your teachings into practice. Help me to be a better friend to the people in my life. Jesus, thank you for saving me and for being my friend. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me today, you are a new creation. If you prayed it for the first time or if you recommitted your life to Jesus today, we want to connect with you. And so what I wanna invite you to do is to text the phrase, I believe, all together, I believe, to the number 94090. I believe to 94090. And we'll be in touch. We have some resources for you. We'd love to encourage you on your walk with your friend, Jesus. So again, I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm so excited for what God is doing in your life and in the life of this church. And we can't wait to see you again soon.